0: This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I'm your host Sheldon Primus. Here's the podcast where I show you the business of being a safety consultant. And today we're actually going to talk to Dave Faro from Canada. And. He has a consultant over there, and I was really curious to finding out the differences and nuances of working in Canada and uh, his experience, which is vast in a lot of uh, different areas. Uh, he actually is one of those boots in the ground type of uh, safety consultants that have done a lot of the actual tasks that he's now consulting for, so it's a, a wonderful experience. My conversation with Dave was Just incredible because from there I just felt like he was a lifelong learner and that uh, he was able to uh, make his experience just very plain and it didn't seem like he was, you know, showy in any way. It's just, you know, a vast amount of opinion, excuse me, a vast amount of experience. Uh, he was able to to tell me about and uh, just a practical purpose in the practical way he runs his consulting business i thought was very uh, wonderful so i had a good time uh, meeting him and talking with him during this uh, podcast and i believe that you guys will also have that that opportunity because he's got 25 years experience he's a canadian registered safety professional and he holds an occupational health and safety certificate from the University of Alberta. He's registered emergency medical responder and then it's volunteered in many agencies including the Canadian Society of Safety Engineering. So, meet Dave Farrow with me.
1: I can start out with myself and the business. Um, I've been in health and safety for about 25 years now. I'm, uh, I guess most of your Amer- of your audience is probably American, isn't they? It? Uh, so, uh, it's actually
0: all over. So I do have an uh, audience with uh, a lot in. Well, they're they're pretty much all over, including Canada. So you, you will have an international audience here. Okay.
1: Yeah, well, I guess uh, I can start with uh, what I am here is a CRSP, your Canadian Registered Safety Professional. So it's uh, roughly equivalent to your CSP down there. Uh, I guess the other things I'm kind of into is I'm uh, an emergency medical responder, and that's an Alberta College of Paramedics designation here in Alberta. And uh, the other bit of formal certification I've got is the construction safety officer thing from the Alberta Construction Safety Association. I think they call it, well, I know they call it the national construction safety officer these days, but since I got it 25 years ago, I've still got the old, old certificate never did get it upgraded. So that's yeah, yeah, uh, pretty much where then. I'm at. Yeah, exactly. I guess the other kind of bizarre piece is I'm a Canadian firearm safety course instructor up here as well. So uh I don't know if you're familiar but if you want to own a firearm in Canada you need 8 hours of training first and uh really? it's mandated by the government and uh so I do the 8 hour safety training course and if and you want really, Yeah, and then it's another 4 to 6 hours if you want the handgun certification. It's uh, what is does get bizarre is uh, it doesn't matter what you've done in life before. If you want to, to own a handgun or a rifle here in Canada, you need to come through this course. So we'll get police officers and people with 20 years military experience coming in and taking the safety course just so they understand the civilian side of it. So.
0: Yeah, do a little That's bit of that. That's a great idea. I, I know in the U.S. We're, we're like so far away from that. <laughs> we, I wish you would do something like that, but that sounds so intuitive. And then also it does help for, for yeah, I guess, another line of business you could do at that time.
1: Yeah, it's been surprisingly busy. With COVID, I think uh, for a long time people couldn't go to the movies or do anything, but we were still open. So they were starting new hobbies. Oh, Yeah. But, uh, Mostly, though, what I do as a consultant, uh, oh, and the, the company's Dave Farrow Safety Limited. So, you know, I just humbly named it after myself. The, the story there was I tried to think two or three other names, and corporate registry told me they were taken. I finally got frustrated and used my own name because I knew it would go through. And now I've kind of stuck with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, as far as safety consulting goes, um, I'm doing right now more mining and tunneling over the last couple of years, which is kind of an interesting switch for me because uh, for the previous 20, I was mostly oil, sands, chemical plants, and uh, big mass concrete pours, heavy industrial stuff in Alberta.
0: Hmm. And uh, in that area, uh, since they've got a lot of industry and and everything else, uh, has it... Obviously, with COVID, I know there's been things that are dipped off. Is it starting to to come back up now? I think we're going to
1: see it come up here. If the uh, oil price predictions are correct, we should see another little rise in work. Looks like, Hmm. uh, depending on who's predicting, $100, $120 a barrel uh, by uh, mid-2022.
0: Wow. So in, um, in I, I think WorkSafe BC, if I recall right, uh, they're on the, the Pacific side, but uh, do they regulate and then also provide workers' comp insurance? Is that the same thing with, um, with Edmund area? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's not quite the same. Uh, Canada is a bit of a patchwork when it comes to WCB. So, there are one organization in British Columbia. Here in Alberta, the Workers' Compensation Board is at arm's length from Occupational Health and Safety. So every province has its own set of regulations. We don't have, uh, we do have federal regulations, but they only apply to federally regulated industries like banks and railroads and pipelines, for example, things that tend to cross borders. So we've—it's a bit of a patchwork. I sometimes think it would really be nice if we had an OSHA-type system where I could learn one system and apply it in
0: every province. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Uh, do you go to all provinces? Uh,
1: Not all right now. Uh, I've I've mostly worked in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, the three western provinces, and then uh, a bit of work in Ontario as well, actually.
0: Uh, You're almost there.
1: (laughs) Just need an excuse to hit the other places.
0: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) That might be great, too. Uh, How did you get into it?
1: (laughs) You know, I kind of got into safety by accident, if you will. And uh, I don't mean hurting myself type accident. But uh, it was way back when I was in my 20s. Uh, Originally, I done a a bit of an apprenticeship with my father. He's a carpenter. And I decided that I was going to do ambulance for Mm full-time. My wife was pregnant with our first, and I was really trying hard to get work. And all I could find was a bit of part-time work. So I worked part-time as an armed guard for one of the armored car companies, part-time ambulance. And and when the baby was on the way, I was waitering (laughs) as well. And I finally said, you know, Rachel, that's her name. uh, I said, "Uh, I think I can make a better living going back into construction. It's not really what I want, but I can do it. And when I went in and talked to the company, they'd uh, looked at my resume and said, well, you've got your ambulance stuff here. How would you like to do safety on the high-level bridge project? And uh, I said, sure. And I had no idea that safety was even a career. I'd never heard of a safety person, didn't know what it was, had no clue. And suddenly there I was doing the job. So. Oh.
0: And then uh, did it, was it one of those things when you started to do it that you you've felt some sort of um, awakening or was it something where uh, it took a while for you to to say, oh, I like this?
1: You know, I kind of liked it right from the get-go because it's an interesting field where you get to talk to all sorts of people and you get to know all sorts of people and you've, it's a perfect generalist position. If you're a generalist, you're going to like this business. (laughs) Yeah. In my case, I got a bit lucky there. Their corporate safety guy, when he found out that I'd been hired and put out there, he came and grabbed me and pointed me to the Alberta Construction Safety Association for the courses there and uh, at the University of Alberta, because they had an oh program as well. So, uh, yeah, the uh, little chance meeting became a real change and a new career direction for me.
0: Wow, well, that's awesome. So, yeah. When did you like decide uh, that it was time to go on your own? Uh, what, what was the, the catalyst to that one?
1: Ah, well, that was 2016, late 2016. In Alberta here, we had a uh, real slowdown. And the company that I had been working for had a department of, uh, we had over 60 safety people working for me. I was the director at that point. And uh, we'd lost a whole bunch of work. And uh, we were down to maybe a... A dozen people when i left so they had some buyouts because they just had to and i thought it would be an interesting time to go on my own and give it a shot as a consultant <laughs> so it, good and bad timing it's good when you have a buyout in your pocket but it's not good when the buyout is because the whole market is crashed <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so Oddly enough, uh, the first uh, major job I picked up was in British Columbia, and then I was in Ontario after that. So I've been uh, having fun introducing myself as an Alberta economic refugee to everybody I'm working for in the other provinces. That's
0: great. Oh man. So from those areas, I would imagine like when you first started to to get on your own, was there a sense of fear or freedom for you?
1: You know, oddly enough, uh, a bit of both. One thing that really me by surprise was just how uh a big of a life change it was because uh, I suppose I looked at myself if I were to say you know who is Dave Farrow I'd say well you know he's the safety director of this company and this is what he's about and I didn't realize how much I really identified with my job until I no longer had it so suddenly I was a consultant uh, of a you know owner of a one-man company and I really felt oddly adrift for several months and uh, It was a bizarre feeling, and uh, it was almost a confidence-shattering one for me that I really did not expect.
0: Yeah. Uh, was it because of um, at that time you didn't know how to run the business, or was it more of uh, truly it was so much <laughs> that it was hard to get the brain to process it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so much. Well, maybe a little of both, right? Uh, starting out a new consulting business and finding an anchor client and getting people together is... a uh, You know, it was a whole new skill set to learn, right? You know, how do I advertise? If this was 20 years ago, I'd have gotten an ad in the Yellow Pages and gone to the local radio station or the newspaper. But there's just so many options right now. And uh, depending on how your resume is, too, if I want to go do field projects, but they show me eight hour or past eight years in the office, you often get bypassed because then you're, oh, I think this is an office program development guy as opposed to a field guy. So uh, I had to rethink myself a little bit and uh, figure out how to market myself as well.
0: Oh, so what did that look like?
1: Well, in the end, what really gave me a big break was just a personal connection. Somebody that I'd worked with uh, years and years ago and was now in a corporate role, was advertising on LinkedIn that they really needed some people. And uh, I got speaking to him. And before I knew it, I was off in BC working. I think in this business of consulting, you just cannot underestimate personal contacts and, uh, and people you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I almost just tell like um, people who are just starting out that uh, it takes so much money to keep trying to get the first client, and then the next client, and then the next client. You're always trying to you know get out there. Um, like if you're doing Facebook ads or you're doing something else, it really takes a long time to develop that. Whereas you get one client and you try to get two to three jobs from that one client. If you you know really hone in on them, then you could get the word of mouth, and that could grow the business even faster than trying to market to the one person uh, you know one at a time and that really after a while the i guess it's more of the individual if they're not ready for that kind of work they kind of feel like let down when someone tells them no and then all of a sudden they give up <laughs> did you find that in any way or, or how do you approach it
1: well i found uh Let me just think about that. When I was first getting going, I know I'd sent uh, resumes and letters and information to a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. And uh, you kind of have to, if you're doing that cold calling, trying to get, uh, you know, without a relationship built up, you really have to have a bit of a thick skin because you're going to get no a lot more than you get yes. And uh, depending on Facebook or LinkedIn or even Google, those type of advertising there, you can do a lot of advertising and a lot of people, look at your website but the reality is i think most people when they need a, something like a safety consultant and it's a responsible position they're going to phone up their buddy and say you know you had a good consultant there who did you use so it, really it's going to be that whole word of mouth thing again it just keeps coming back you can't ignore the other things because i have picked up some clients that were kind of cold contact clients but it's uh more the exception than the norm i would say
0: yeah and truly, um, uh, when, you're, when you're working on the cold calls, it could go either way because sometimes when you're taking on clients, you may be taking on people who have bad habits or they're just looking to check a box to say that they uh, had a consultant, but they don't really want to do the work. <laughs> so that, that is also difficult.
1: That's true. That's uh, something that's easily overlooked, right? Uh, the, a good client isn't necessarily any client with enough money to hire you. There has to be a really good fit between you and them. Whether it's uh, personality and, uh, as you say, too, just uh, their whole reason for getting into safety. If they just want to check the box and don't want to make any changes and don't really care about making progress or, for that matter, even care about complying with basic legislation, they're not going to be a good client for you. Yeah.
0: And then you have to think about your um, your reputation, you have to think about all the other things where if they now are going to say, you know, you didn't do a good job, and then they want to sue you or something similar to that, that all goes in the back of your head, right?
1: Yeah, there's always that for sure. I, I find uh, in some ways, some of the best clients are small companies that uh, that. Uh, are not or they're not really functional with safety yet and you can kind of get them started from ground zero and get them going the right way and uh, i really enjoy doing that i guess the other really hmm. good one is uh if you can if you find a project where they're in a bit of trouble and having problems sometimes as a consultant you can just go in and even just by getting the basics in place you can have a major impact in a short time
0: and um do you have a? Um do you have like a, like a set procedure when you, when you get into a place? Like, if you're going to do like a, an audit of a facility, do you have like a nice little um, uh, step that you, you go through?
1: Well, it depends on the type of audit. Um, what I've had, uh, what I've done in the past with some clients, uh, I think I wrote a blog about it the one day actually, so everybody would know how to do it. So, to do a very basic audit on yourself. It's actually quite simple. You just need to go through your safety manual, highlight with your yellow highlighter all the deliverable items, and then simply make yourself a spreadsheet saying, is it there, is it not there? And uh, you can go in and very quickly determine whether your your whole system is working correctly. If uh, I have that type of time, I could put something like that together. Mm. But uh, what I sometimes get is, they just want a quick cold eyes review. Come onto the site, tell me what you can see. And uh, that is usually just a case of keeping your eyes and your ears open.
0: Any uh, like stories from the field that you that kind of hit you as far as uh, making you feel like, oh, man, this is why I'm doing this? Hmm.
1: You know, there's probably a few. Um, you know, I guess the, sometimes in this business, one of the problems we have is you don't know what kind of impact you have or haven't made. And uh, by comparison, my father was a carpenter, right? So he used to drive us crazy when we were children, driving around saying, look, son, I built that. Look, I built that. Look, I built that. And you have that sense of accomplishment. But it's a little harder to look back in safety and say, you know what? I saved this accident or that accident. But uh, probably the closest one is uh, we're working up on one of the oil sands plants years and years ago, and we're putting in great big doors. And they were for the big 797 trucks to come in there in a 200 300 ton haul truck and they're huge heavy sem- segments and uh the one day i'd come and i'd stopped and talked to the crew because they weren't using any taglines and i said guys if anything ever happens here you're right in the line of fire and uh, the next day they uh the cable on the picker truck broke and dropped one of these things and they had about a 20 foot tagline on it so i was very very happy to see that tagline i'll tell you
0: they listened
1: yeah, every once in a while it happens.
0: Yeah, next <laughs> put Jim, a little star man. on the calendar. Yeah, <laughs> one for Dave. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh um, man! And, and uh, what about the other side of uh, the business? Because I know you're you're doing the consulting side, as going into the clients, and then you have the training side. Uh, when did you decide to to add that part?
1: Oh, add the training. Yeah. Uh, the the training just kind of. Kind of comes with the territory, really. Uh, I started the, if we're talking the firearms instructor stuff, I've been doing that for about 17 years, uh, even before I was a consultant. So that was one I used to do more for just for fun. And uh, it kind of became a big part of the business, if you will.
0: You do have the regular like occupational uh, safety training. And I even see that you have uh, Aboriginal awareness training, too. That's uh, okay. that's really unique
1: yeah those are online based courses there so we we do have quite a few of those yeah and uh we do a lot of uh, training kind of comes with the territory when it comes to safety uh because when a client wants you to come in and do safety then they want their people trained once they realize they don't know what they don't know right
0: mm-hmm. it seems like it's um like when you do get the calls for even you know one or the other, meaning you call it, get a call for safety training, you get there and then all of a sudden you're looking at some of the things around there and you figure oh, they need consulting too. Or vice versa, yep. or you're there for consulting and you're like, oh, got to train these guys. <laughs> Is that right. the same thing that you're, you're seeing, like that? those two things kind of feed off each other? Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah, you see that. And if you do a really good job on one thing, you often get trusted with others, right? I've got a small client here uh, was uh, electrical company and uh, did the did a safety manual for them and did some training and uh, they just keep calling me back for things and uh, he's kind of branched out and has an industrial division now and has asked for me to come out uh, one day a week on that and uh, we're doing a little interesting project in uh, Edmonton there where they're building a. Uh, it's kind of a Chinese dragon wall, if you will, and wanted a little bit of help because uh, the roof caps are 7,000 pounds of granite each cap and they all have to go up and they've been done by artists in China. So if you uh, break them, <laughs> you're not there's not a replacement or anything. So it's kind of put it up and get it done right the first time. A lot of pressure. A little bit, but I think they'll be just fine. They've got a good plan. They've got the right engineer you know, it's it's funny, you'd think these big crane lifts that are complicated would be the most hazardous, but I found when we plan something to death and we have the engineers involved, nothing ever goes wrong. It's uh, With cranes, it's when you're shuttling pipe across the site or doing something small that you don't really think is going to be an issue.
0: Hmm. Is there like um like on the Canadian side? I know for for us, yeah, especially on the the OSHA side, uh, for the national standards we have our uh, regulation books, and everyone tries to go through the regs. But then uh, there's a whole bunch of. Uh, like supporting material that we we call consensus standards or something similar that you can look at, like an ANSI standard, American National Standards Institute. Uh, Those those things help kind of uh, get the workers to really look beyond just regs. And then think of, you know, holistically the job. Is there stuff like that there too as well?
1: Yeah, we function under the CSA or Canadian Standards Association stuff. Oddly enough, our regulations will often quote ANSI as well. Because oh, really? uh, especially for things like personal protective equipment, we'll recognize the CSA and the ANSI in many, Excellent. many cases. Well, and why not? We import a lot of things manufactured in the States or for the States. So sharing a standard just makes some sense, especially since we're only a 40 million person nation. So, you know, roughly a tenth of your size. So uh, sometimes it makes sense to adopt the other person's standards as well, where where it works.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's really good because it makes it easier to, to, um, uh, especially when you do work across the border. If you you do, you're able to, you know, it's already there. It's a standard that you've already been using. Yes, and
1: there's a lot of companies that function on both sides of the border. It's nice not to have to buy a new pair of work boots on both sides.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Of any of your like um, like right now, is there like a, a project or something similar that, that you're even forecasting that you think is, is, is going to be a good way for safety in Edmonton?
1: In Edmonton, uh, you know
0: surprisingly,
1: I only have some small projects on the go in Edmonton and uh, I'm working with some guys that sort of excite me, some small home builders and things, as I've actually uh, I'm kind of targeting the small company market just I'm not sure if it's because it's a good business decision or it's just for the fun of it. Sometimes it's a little of each, but I've, I find myself really enjoying uh, working with the smaller companies and getting them up and going. And uh, if you're, especially if you're talking residential construction and small commercial, they're uh, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but they just don't get much attention and they just do not have a safety program like the big guys. So most more often than not, it's just a case of getting the basics in place for them. <laughs>
0: And uh, especially residential construction for us and roofing in particular, uh, it seems to be a big disconnect here in the States with roofers and understanding fall protection, the basics for roofing, right? And uh, I guess it's it's a whole bunch of things, you know, where most of the time they're getting paid by the piece or uh, and also they're incentivized to get work done quicker. Uh, so they get to the next thing. So in those ways, uh, residential, as you're seeing those small mom and pop you may have a lot of um uh, i don't know maybe it's me projecting but uh is there let's say this way is there some sort of wall that they may say oh well we're too small we don't have to worry about that
1: i think so and i think they often fly under the radar because uh there's so many of them there's a lot of They're actually, in many cases, very good little framing companies and roofing companies where the whole company is run out of your living room and you have a pickup truck and maybe a trailer full of tools, right? So uh, and you just, uh, like I say, fly under the radar. And interestingly, here in Alberta, you're not required to have a safety manual, technically, until you have 20 employees or 20 workers. So there's a couple of magic numbers here. Uh, At five, you have to get a health and safety representative, and that's just a few hours of online training for one of your workers. And at 20, you need the manual. But if you have less than 20, you're still required to do a bunch of things under legislation like hazard assessment and, and emergency response plans and so on. So you may as well just get the manual on day one because whether you have a formal system or not, you're still required to do X number of things, right?
0: That's great. Uh, so it seems like um, consulting is still going to be regulation um, driven, if you will, in uh, for, for your area as well.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of big drivers. Uh, regulation, sure. Uh, like if I were building safety manuals for somebody, Uh, we generally go down two roads. There's some people that just want basic legislative compliance. I want to know that I'm doing everything correctly. The other big one, and I don't know if you have the equivalent, I'm not so familiar. We have a a certificate of recognition, we call it, from the the government. And uh, that's, states that you meet a certain standard. So if you are a construction company, for example, you would say uh, you'd build your safety manual and then you'd talk to the certifying partner, which is the Alberta Construction Safety Association here, and they would come out and audit your system and uh, say that you met the criteria for core and uh, give you that certification and uh, that really has a lot of takers because there's two major bonuses Uh, one is getting on bid lists because a lot of major companies they want somebody to have their core standards so they know kind of what they're getting and the other is if you have your core you can get a discount and uh, on your wcb
0: Mm, that's what everybody wants right yes yeah Uh, there is an equivalent to that there's um, what they call a voluntary protection program here and uh, it's basically once you get through the program and you're working with OSHA, partnering with them, and then they'll also give you someone that's called a special government employee who is just really someone else in another company and they're also Voluntary Protection Program, VPP, and they kind of help you through the process. And then when you get there and you you actually get uh, VPP approved and you, you get your status, then OSHA will be out of your hair for three years and they'll come and they'll do like an inspection uh, just for three years to make sure you're you're keeping up with uh the terms of the vpp but other than that uh the benefit is truly once people get that status you're not just thinking compliance you're you're way beyond just compliance at that point so it sounds similar to what you're, you're saying there
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, we have a little bit of similarity there in that we have peer auditors. And uh, so my company would be audited by, say, the safety person from company B. And uh, then I would owe the Alberta Construction Safety Association an audit. So when it was, uh, I would get called upon to do one as well. So uh, this way there are. Uh, Just a countless number of auditors out there because uh, anybody who has their core has to have a number of courses and auditing is one of them. So it makes the system quite affordable. So and uh, you have the choice then as a company to hire a professional auditor at X number of dollars per hour for X number of days or just go into the peer system and do a bit of a labor trade.
0: Hmm. Wow. Um, And for your your business, I, I heard you say we a few times. Is there a staff now?
1: Oh, yeah. We have a couple of staff members. So, uh, Alyssa is uh, the most recent person who's been brought on. She's a graduate of the University of New Brunswick's Occupational Health and Safety Program. And uh, she is a massive amount of help when it comes to program development, like the safety manuals for small companies. And I'm getting her out in the field to uh, look at things and uh, kind of learn the ropes. Uh, what was really interesting earlier this year is we went down and did a bunch of uh, solar plants and windmills, the uh, the construction part of them. Wow. I had one client that actually has me come out a couple of times and spend a week going all over southern Alberta and Saskatchewan. And uh, just an incredibly interesting process. It uh, seems uh, quite natural to go from oil and gas to some of these renewable energies, especially with the way the uh, world is kind of going these days. It's nice to know them both. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So that's, she'll, that's definitely, like benefit. she'll definitely be out looking at the crane uh, tomorrow with me. And uh, she's been out looking at some smaller renovation jobs and things around town and out at a job at West Edmonton mall. Uh, and that's kind of an interesting one. Cause that's not even my job. That was another consultant that I know very well said, you know, I'm doing this work at, uh, at the mall with a client. Why don't you send Alyssa with me and I'll see what I can do to train her. Sometimes this business, uh, there's a lot of people helping people in this business. So you never should think that you're going it alone. That's one thing that's very useful is to have your book of contacts. And do I know someone that's an expert in this or that, or who can I call on for help?
0: Yeah, that's a great, great tip there because I like for when I do an audit and it's been a while since I've done one, uh, but with the mock OSHA audits, I would sometimes see electrical and I know enough to tell when it looks bad, <laughs> but I don't know enough to say what is the, the standard that's being violated or even if it's like an electrical safety code outside of OSHA. So I give a, a guy, Scott, who handles electrical, I just call Scott and I say, Scott, I'm going to reverse someone to you he just I, I know it's wrong I'm, I sent a picture a couple of times in, in this process and uh, and uh, I was like I know it's wrong I can't figure out what and he'll take over and if Uh, I let the client know. I said, "I I know there's something going on," (laughs) and then he helps me, and he's willing to. And I do find that in the in the field that uh, a lot of people think there's more competition amongst consultants than there really is. We all want to (laughs) help, and it seems like we 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 do that uh, naturally. So it's it's great that to hear it from you from you as well that you're you're getting that experience too.
1: Yeah, in some ways, uh, I like to think there aren't really any competitors, because there's always a time when uh, someone will come to me and say, Dave, do you do this? And well, no, I don't, but I know so-and-so who does. And uh, you refer them to the other person, and sometimes you get a referral back, and it's just a much better way of doing business, even if you're stuck sometimes. You know, I kind of chuckled when you're talking about electrical there, because I'm the same, right? Uh, Sometimes I found myself in the field looking at something and say, you know what, guys, I was a carpenter by trade before I started this. If I can't put a nail through it, I don't understand it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And I, I really, even my training, I, I tell people in, in the, the classes and I say, I could tell you OSHA compliance, I could tell you um, safety and, and how to see a hazard, but I can't tell you how to operate this equipment. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea how to work this crane. You guys tell me that part. I'll just tell you how to go through the OSHA standard and together we're going to work out their training. And I've learned to do that because a lot of training, I've seen trainers kind of um, they try to fake it. You know, They're just faking it to the point where it becomes uncomfortable because the the actual workers know the real deal and here you're making up words or something. Uh, so I've, I've seen that before and I honestly learned to just tell them, hey, I'm here to teach you uh, hazard awareness and then how to prevent these hazards. You teach me what you're doing and then together we're going to figure out how to get something that is going to uh, be practical training for your equipment. for your activity and that's how I approach my training Uh, since you've been doing training so often is that something that you do or what's your technique
1: well I'd like to tell you I just know the whole business so don't need to do that but that wouldn't be very (laughs) true (laughs) I think you you kind of nailed it there is a time to say you know what guys I just don't know the answer And uh, sometimes uh, if you're getting along well with the audience, someone will produce the answer for you because they know it. And uh, I think sometimes the workers like to have a little fun with the trainer and they'll ask them something they know the answer perfectly well to just to see if you know or if you're going to fake it or if you're going to have a meltdown.
0: Oh yes, yeah. they're tricky well, that way. For sure, exactly right. <laughs> and uh,
1: you know, safety is really a generalist position. I think we we touched on that before. But I, what I kind of like is you, you get to know a little of everything. So. Well, at the university, I took a little bit of occupational hygiene, but I'm certainly not a hygienist. We, we did some courses on ergonomics, but I'm not an ergonomist, right? So you need to kind of have... I love having that general knowledge of a little bit of everything, but you got to know when to call in the big guns and get your hygienist in or get your ergonomist in or hire an occupational specialist physician. Those guys are really handy.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, for just... Any tips for those that are, are, are wanting to take the plunge? They want to actually get out there, start their business. They don't know how they uh, are just you know, listening to this and they're like, all right, what did Dave do? <laughs> so what, what, what's your tips?
1: Well, I think the first thing is make sure you got enough time in before you jump into the whole consulting pool. One of the uh, things I see people do that uh, doesn't serve them well is they, they just get their CSO or something like that, or their NCSO, have uh, just four years in construction, for example, and suddenly they're putting out a business card saying they're a consultant. And uh, sometimes that really causes trouble for you. But I, I think the first thing is, uh, you know, do your homework. Before you get going, you you really need to understand what you're getting into and what it's going to cost and what it takes to even start a business. So. Uh, I'm sure the systems are simpler, similar. You know, you have to go to corporate registry here. You have to get set up for that. Yeah, and then we have to go to the federal government, make sure you've got all your taxation stuff in place because that's going to be different for you as well. And uh, there's some things that you wouldn't normally have as an employee, like your errors and emission insurance and general commercial liability. These are kind of givens that you just have before you, uh, when you're an employee, right? And yeah. if you're not, you can certainly go consult without those things. But if something goes wrong boy, are you going to have some real trouble financially, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And then you have to set up your WCB and so on because you are a company as well. And I think sometimes people uh, kind of, what they they think they're doing is that they're just going to be an employee on contract and call themselves a consultant, which is maybe a little different thing. So you're you're not, you got to remember you're not an employee anymore.
0: Yeah, it's, um... It's one of the keys because I remember um, uh, one of my one of the things I've heard my business partner Kevin uh, say once is he was institutionalized by working for the federal government for so long he worked for OSHA and uh, just when he got out of working for OSHA his mindset was still uh, in that in that uh, framework and that that struck me funny the way he said that so I I definitely see where you're coming with that Uh, what about those that have already taken the plunge and they're solopreneurs and now it's time for them to start hiring how do you suggest going from being a one-man show to being a boss so what, <laughs> what's that about <laughs>
1: oh well, that's a hard part and i'm sort of there with my own company now right uh, there's kind of a couple of stages you tend to go through and uh, you know the startup is easy when you're you're working out of your living room and you've uh, got your you know yourself registered as a company, you get yourself a client or two and you're doing okay, it, it is hard to transition from being the doer to kind of the boss. And uh, I find myself even making that mistake uh, now is sometimes you're so busy doing the consulting work that you're not actually running the business. So you need to be able to find enough time to run that business. And it's a little tricky because uh, if it's your sole source of income, for example, before you can say i'm the boss and i'm going to stay in the office and i'm going to do you know the company things like making sure everything's taken care of and the marketing and talking to clients and other people will do the consulting you have to have enough work so that the other people doing the consulting will bring in enough money to pay your salary <laughs> And that'll often mean you have to have five or six people full-time in the field before you can fully remove yourself from that. So the transition period is really quite difficult. And uh, the way I'm sort of stick-handling it right now is um, the the small contracts are kind of nice. If you have a home builder that wants you two days a month, fantastic. You can fit that in, billable work in and get your own work done at the same time where you do get handcuffed is uh where you have a big client that suddenly wants you to work uh in a remote location you know three weeks on one week home 12 hours a day well if you accept that you'll be making good money on the contract but you certainly won't be growing your business anymore yeah
0: it's like a, it's a, a trade-off where I guess sometimes you may need to make that trade-off, you know, financially, but it's knowing that, yes, I am going to take this project. I am putting everything else on hold until I get this project and somebody might do that strategically because of the name of the company is big enough for the dollar figures is big enough, but uh, that is a good point that you, you're going knowing eyes wide open that you can't grow your business because you have to do this.
1: Oh yeah. And I've, I've certainly done some of those contracts and there's nothing wrong with doing that either. As long as you understand, you know, when your plate is full, you can only do so much in a day. If you decide I'm going to go work in the remote camp and 12 hours a day, I'm going to work and I'm going to have lunch and the or dinner at the camp cafeteria and I'll put two hours in before bed. That two hours just never seems to be available to you. You're just not going to make it. <laughs>
0: kidding. Well, is there anything that you would like to say for, uh, for the audience and everyone how to reach you, you know, so they know how to, to get you?
1: Oh, just to get a hold of me?
0: Yeah. So uh, uh, they, they know like websites and a number Fine. and everything to, to reach out to you. So uh, especially since it's a, a global audience, you know, someone may be looking for some uh, branching out into the Canadian market and just want to make sure that your name's in there.
1: Sure. I'd be happy to kind of do that. So yeah, again, the name is Dave Farrow and uh, the website is www.dfsafety.ca. So DF is in Dave Farrow. And uh, if anyone wanted to give us a call here, it's uh, 1-587-473-0138 at the office.
0: Oh, excellent, man. Thank you so much for, for being part of the show. I, I, I truly appreciate you reaching out to me and yeah, now it's your your service that you use has been uh, paper paper line?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, and uh they've just been kind of fantastic. Actually, I'd recommend them to anybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, they seem very professional. I like uh I like how they reached out. It was really cool. So uh that, that was a good plus plus. and I've never heard of them before, so so you've introduced them to me as well.
1: Yeah, well, they're kind of local to Edmonton, so uh yeah. I don't know what stage uh, Katie's at with her business, but uh, I'm sure she'll expand as well. She definitely knows marketing PR in a way that I never will. So it's great to have her uh, kind of on my team, if you will.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great uh, acquisition. So it it helps. And truly, when you start out, you're wearing all those hats. So now that you're ready to start giving some of those hats away to grow the business, uh, that was a good choice.
1: Oh, for sure. Sometimes you just have to... I guess that's one other thing a person should learn when they're starting their own business is there is a time to stop doing it yourself. There's a time to hire a professional website instead of doing it on a template. And there's a time to hire professional marketing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember one time my dad told me about a year, a year and a half ago. He said, uh, "He said, son, you can't be small forever. You're going to grow your business. You can't be small forever." Uh, so I hold I, I that dear. So when I hear the story of you, you know, branching out and then getting the team, that's in the
1: same vein as that. Yeah, no, it's kind of great to see the place grow because I've I've got myself and Alyssa and, uh, you know, I'm working with my wife too. She's uh, just a fantastic help because she's a computer technician, so that's covered. And she's got her bookkeeping certificate as well. And uh, she's very detail-oriented, so... Her and I kind of compliment each other. She works in a very different way than I do. Sometimes we drive each other crazy, but uh, between one of us, we always pick up the pieces.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's part, part and parcel uh, of, of the marriage there, especially if you work together.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it adds a degree of complexity because uh, if I had an employee, I would simply say, you know what? This is how we're going to do it. And if they didn't want to, I'd say, well, you know, I appreciate what you're thinking, but see, my, my name's on the wall over there. We're doing it my way. I don't know if that would work if I uh, had that conversation with my wife.
0: <laughs> Not the same leverage. <laughs> that leverage point is different.
1: <laughs> yes. I, I Maybe I'm like most men, but I think usually she gets her way and I just smile and say, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for being on with me. I, thank I you. truly appreciate you coming on.
1: I really enjoyed it. So yeah, again, thanks for inviting me. I really, uh, Appreciated meeting you and kind of enjoyed the whole process.
0: Oh, thank you. And and this is the first of many, I hope, right? I hope so. Yeah. First time yeah. out. Yeah. So what I'll do is um, I'm currently around three weeks uh, behind. So or three weeks, I, I'm banking. Uh, so uh, I have your email. So what I'll do is, as it comes out, I'll, I'll let you know on LinkedIn. But then you'll also be emailed the episode link as well. So you'll you'll get it. And uh, generally, what I do is Mondays and. Um, and it also may be rebroadcast, and it will be rebroadcast. I just don't know when on uh, Safety FM, and uh, that's a, a daily um, network, if you will. And uh, and they're broadcasting, and then they also do podcasting. So it'll also play on that too in their rotation. So you'll you'll hear it on, on both sides.
1: Yeah, Katie had said you had a very large audience actually, so. How long have you been uh, kind of growing the podcasting?
0: Oh, right around... This is in the year three, in year three now. So it's it's been kind of fun. It's really uh, just uh, truly something I, I wanted to do once I started thinking about it. And uh, and I was thinking about it for a good, I don't know, maybe six months before I, I actually did it. And once I did, I, I did like uh I think eight to ten episodes first and then released only five of them and had the the others as the, the backlog. So <laughs> it was, yeah, uh, it you know, it's tough recording in the car sometimes or in the closet. Or <laughs> or <something>. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's been fun.
1: I haven't been that ambitious for me. It was just a big deal to start a blog. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Blogs are great. It really is.
1: That's a bit of fun to write them.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, do you post it on LinkedIn as well? Uh, I do, actually. Yeah, that's a good way to do it because generally, um, especially if people start sharing, uh, they'll they'll help you out. So I'm going to look for yours as well, and I'll help you with the shares.
1: That'd be great. You know, the, it's odd, oddly enough, probably the one that, uh, got the most people interested was just, uh, I think it was number 20 or so that I'd done. And I just thought I would not talk about safety as much and just talk about my experience of apprenticing under my dad and what I learned. And I had something like five points that I'd kind of learned from him. And, and, uh, it's on my mind today because, uh, he'd never seen it because he's 86 and, uh, they don't have a computer. So I had to print the blog off. And I went over to their place and uh, <laughs> finally gave them a copy of this and showed them what I'd done and asked if he remembered the same stories or not. <laughs>
0: that's great. So it's almost like uh, like delivering a copy of the Daily News or a newsletter, or like a hand yeah, <laughs>
1: copy. Yeah. Oh, the world's changed some, right? I used to oh, deliver really newspapers. Is. You know, that's uh, kind of getting to be a thing of the past.
0: <laughs> that's great. Well, thank you so much. And I'll, uh, I'll definitely let you know when it's coming out. Okay, thank you. Welcome back to the Safety Consultant Podcast. Man, wasn't that a great episode? Listening to Dave and his experience and all the things that uh, he has done in his career was awesome. So I want to just go ahead and thank you for being one of the listeners to this podcast. And I would ask you to, if you haven't already, just go ahead and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to me from just go ahead and hit that button that says subscribe so whenever there's an episode that comes out uh you're gonna go ahead and get the notification Uh, my goal is mondays to get out a podcast sometimes it's a little later because i'm still an active safety consultant and trainer uh so i am still doing it weekly so you will get something from me in a week Uh, however uh if you are subscribed, then you're going to get that notification. I'll let you know when a new episode comes out. So I just wanted to also let you know that in 2022, can you believe that, 2022? Uh, I'm going to do a few more events. So uh, if you want to and keep informed, I'm going to just tell you right now the best thing to do is you're going to want to join the Safety Consultant TV. So go to safetyconsultant.tv and go ahead and sign up and put in the code, whatever plan you choose, go ahead and put in the code SC101. And that's going to give you a free month. And so you could get a good opportunity to see exactly what you've been missing with the Safety Consultant Podcast because I go a little bit extra with my guests over there. And also... You're gonna be able to know whenever I do something that's you know out of the ordinary, special. I do some promotion there where you could see like a knowing an event it's coming. It's all there. So you want to go to safetyconsultant.tv. And you could watch the safety consultant TV on any of your devices, and that's going to keep you up to date. So, those two things one, you're going to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, and secondly, using the code SC101, then you're also going to have a way to make sure you get in touch and keep up with me. Thank you for a great week. Thanks, Dave, for being my guest this week, and I will guys next week. Go get them. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. The views and opinions
1: expressed on this podcast or broadcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within the past hour are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast or broadcast may be reproduced, stored within a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast or broadcast, Sheldon Primus.